If I am anything, I am a man of my word. And to take you behind the scenes a little bit after yesterday's show, Parker and I were talking as soon as the show goes over, and he said, whoa, man, we forgot to talk about Jaron Kanak. So I wrote down Jaron Kanak, <laughs> and that is the first thing we're going to talk about today. Because after I talked about Parker, uh, Teddy and I talked a little bit about it. I talked to someone else a little bit about it. And you were really hitting on that this dude is destroying it right now Yeah, in uh, yeah, off-season conditioning. Give everyone the good news about what's going on with the true freshman I out mean, of the state of Kansas. I mean, look, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that followed Jaron Kanak as a recruit, that has seen the highlights, that has just seen pictures of him in person, has seen his 10.37 100-meter dash. The dude's a certifiable physical freak. And make no mistake – he is already, Tyler, one of the most physically impressive players Woo! in that locker room Man. and <laughs> has arguably made more of an impression throughout the first, what, week and a half now of winter workouts than anybody on the roster. He was the worst kept secret of this entire recruiting cycle because it felt like even though there was some you know, uncertainty to people at the national level about where he was going to end up. We, we kind of knew, like, Brent Venables didn't want to necessarily go out there and offer him because he was a Clemson commit. We know the whole story, but he ends up being out on campus and, and all that. Um, he was the worst-kept secret, but the way that he went about things, the way that he was like, nah, man, I really want to go play for Brent Venables, had so many people excited that I already thought that there was a hype about this kid coming in. And then now we hear what's going on kind of behind the scenes with the strength and conditioning workouts. This kid, Parker, I mean, if we want to talk about expectations on true freshmen heading into next year, Jaron Kanak is going to be somewhere right up there at the top because the way that you were talking yesterday, you expect him to get a real chance at some real playing time as early as next yes, year. Yes, I do, because quite frankly, I think he has a higher ceiling than anybody in that linebacker room. Now... That linebacker room also includes guys like Danny Stutzman and David Aguebu, who are no slouches themselves. But I'm telling you, Kanak is that good. And you talk about him being the worst-kept secret in terms of his clandestine commitment to Oklahoma, right? He, I would argue, is the best-kept secret in terms of just being a hidden gem yeah, yeah. in this yeah. 2022 cycle because it's very difficult for you to categorize a blue-chip guy as a hidden gem. But think about it. Kanak hails from this sleepy little town in Kansas, didn't go to many of those elite camps, didn't go to any of the All-American showcases. He's literally just a dude that has been working out and playing football from the time he enrolled at Hayes High School. And it took a while for him to jump onto people's radar as a national prospect because he missed his entire sophomore season with a back injury. And so he's really only had two years to become a nationally recognized recruit. And to do it out of Hayes, Kansas, is pretty dang remarkable. I mean, you got to be really special yeah, to get eyes do. on you and to get noticed from out there. That's the type of guy, right, that you would figure, particularly missing his sophomore season, well, he puts up a couple standout years as an upperclassman, maybe ends up a low three-star, and goes to play at Kansas State where he becomes an all-Big 12 performer. But uh, credit to... 
the uh, the recruiting analysts in the state of Kansas, some of whom I know very well, uh, who were very proactive in getting Jaron Kanak's name out there and establishing that, hey, this guy is going to be a really good football player at the next level, and everybody should take notice. Yeah, it's as early as next year. Now, hey, uh, there, there's a lot of things mentally, especially in a Brent Vittables defense, that this kid is going to have to figure out, right? Um, there, there's no doubt it's not going to be just – gravy from day one of practice all the way through freshman year next year all the way through his career there's going to be some bumps along the road he's going to have to overcome some things but what you're saying is exactly right like he is poised to be that type of dude for you uh almost instantaneously and he he's one of those linebackers in terms of size speed and all that Brent Venables has had a lot of success with. I mean, how many guys have we seen Brent Venables take someone who's got a good size, good frame with good speed and turn them into a high Q linebacker that's kind of the leader of the defense? We've seen that several times with BV, man. And and maybe, just maybe, this kid is going to be the latest one to come through OU saying like, yeah, that's a Brent Venables linebacker. He plays like it. He looks like it. He's He's a dude. And he already might be the fastest player on that roster. There's a real decent chance. And, look, the folks that have seen his 100-meter dash circulating on Twitter where, I mean, he just blows everybody out of the water by yards and yards, or I suppose meters and meters, they get a sense of just how well he can move, right? That is a dude that has elite high-end track speed. It's not, it's not something you see with linebackers, Tyler. That's the thing. You, you see linebackers who move well, right? Kenneth Murray moved well. Brian Asamoah moved well. Jaron Kanak's just a flat-out burner. Yeah, You don't sure. get burners at linebacker. No, and, and, and can still have the size and frame to play at linebacker in Division One football and soon in the SEC. Yes. So this linebacker core that they're bringing in, man, it's it's got a real chance to be really, really good here. And a few of those guys, a couple of those guys at least, uh, probably going to play a lot of snaps for you as soon as next season. Take us behind the scenes on what's going on with Schmitty right now. We, we see all the videos on on Twitter, which, which by the way, it feels like, and I like this approach, Like it's going to get turned up. I, I already think it's been turned up up there, right, with Schmitty and some of the things that we've seen. I, it, it feels like to me that he didn't necessarily come in day one, though, and just try to destroy everyone, you know? Uh-huh. It wasn't just like the most god-awful, most intense workout that they've ever been through on day one. He's at, like, at least trying to build a little bit of confidence, but he is definitely turning it up as kind of the days goes on. And, and I like that. I kind of like like getting th- these guys get their feet under them, get some confidence, and it's, it's, uh, it's about to get really ramped up. Well, hey, there. nobody's quit yet. I know. So... The uh, electronic Schmitty uh, body bag count in here is still at a zero as of exactly. right now. Exactly. So uh, either Schmitty's gotten soft in his old age or everybody in that locker room is bought in. I tend to think it's more of the latter than the former, but that's one man's opinion. Who else is uh, killing it right now? Uh, another guy that I've heard a lot of good things. Well, a couple guys, a couple true freshmen. Robert Spears Jennings, who is a guy that I've touted for a long, long time uh, as somebody that could be a day one performer at Oklahoma just by virtue of his versatility and the fact that Oklahoma's got two safeties to replace. Robert Spears Jennings can play a lot right away. Javante Barnes, man. That dude, and I I, I remember watching his tape, his sophomore tape last spring, and saying, oh my goodness, this dude's the best running back in the 2022 cycle. There's nobody. And I, I saw Emmanuel Henderson's tape, all those high-end running backs that were five stars at the time, even Gavin Sawchuk. 
who's committed to OU as well. In my eyes, everybody paled in comparison to Javante Barnes. And I was watching his sophomore tape because he didn't play a junior season because of COVID-19. And so what he, the things he was doing as a sophomore, you, you watch that tape, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who was thinking, dang, this dude could play high-level FBS football right freaking now as a sophomore in high school. Now, he had a great senior season out there at Bishop Gorman High, obviously committed to Oklahoma at the Under Armour All-American game. And early returns on him have been good, overwhelmingly good from within that locker room. And I I remember saying it a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to keep reiterating it because I believe it 100%. Javante Barnes, in my eyes, is going to be the most impactful true freshman running back that Oklahoma's rostered since Trey Sermon in 2017. Now, I don't know if he becomes the starter. Obviously, you've got two guys in Eric Gray and Marcus Major. We'll definitely that, have a chance. Yeah. He, I, I think anybody in that room, anybody in that core has got a chance to be a starter next year. Yeah, but regardless of whether he starts or not, I think that's a guy that's poised to get a lot of run. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree, man. I, I think it's fair to be excited about the running backs next year, but it's it's kind of a crapshoot right now as to who's going to be your starter. Most would probably say Eric Gray, and that's probably the right way to go. Yeah. But I don't think that Eric Gray did so much last year that he just goes into the spring as, without a doubt, like someone's really going to have to play well to knock him off. Well, and I Eric, think he might be the leader, but I, I just don't think they're just going to – it's just like, okay, Eric Gray's running back one. Let's figure out who two and three are behind him. Well, and he's not the type of guy that's going to handle 25, 30 carries a game, right? There are sure. guys that are built for that. Ramondre Stevenson was quite memorably built for that. He was a guy that you could hand the ball to upwards of 20 times a game and he was going to pound the rock, and he was going to get better as the game wore on, and he was going to start to wear a defense out. Eric Gray's just not that guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just it, It's something either you're born with or you're not. Some guys just have that. Some guys don't. And for Oklahoma, with what they have at their disposal right now in the running back room, I think Barnes is honestly the guy that's probably best equipped to be that dude in the long run. He's probably not that dude right, right away in 2022. So much as a lot of people had and it took issue with the whole committee approach that Muleshoe employed, you're probably going to see more of that in 2022. I wouldn't bet on one guy dominating the touches out of the backfield. But I do think come 2023 – Barnes is the guy that I would bet on to be handling the bulk of the work. Sure, yeah, I would agree with that. The only exception is if, and this is a major if, if Marcus Major this offseason turns into the player. I see what you did there. Yeah, you like that right there? I'm glad you caught that. But if he turns into the dude that, you know, maybe of where his ceiling is at as a player, kind of get things in order, has a great offseason – you know, looks like the best version of himself. He does seem like kind of the running back to me that is best suited to be if they were going to have a, you know, a dude back there that gets the majority, if not all the carries, it would probably be Marcus Major. Now, he's far off from being that guy right now. He's, he's got to have a great offseason. This offseason is probably the most important that Marcus Major has ever had and maybe will ever have in his football career. This is a make-or-break year for him. It's a money-making year for him, but... If he takes advantage of the situation, like I won't, and, and this goes back to I think any guy in that running back core can be a number one guy. Marcus Major is is like squarely in that mix next year to be to be that guy for sure. 
you think about some sooner running backs over the years that have come on strong late in their careers, and you throw, for instance, junior college transfers, the likes of Alan Patrick or Damian Williams, for instance. Now, even a guy like Chris Brown in 2008, who, I mean, his primary role was just to vulture DeMarco Murray's touchdowns, but... He was tremendously productive. I'm pretty sure he rushed for over a thousand yards. Yeah, yeah, they had two. They had two thousand yard rushers yeah, that year. Everybody was putting up numbers in that Oklahoma offense in 2008. But it, what I'm getting at here is the clock's not tick. I guess the clock is ticking, but the clock isn't running out for Marcus Major. He's still got two years of eligibility at his disposal. He's still got the physical makeup of a dominant running back at the collegiate level. It's just a matter of when are we going to see him realize that potential that everybody has touted for so long. I, I can remember the days, Tyler, when Marcus Major was getting touted as the next Adrian Peterson. Woo! Those comparisons were yeah, being made. I remember that now, comparison that, that was, was out there. That was always an unfair comparison because no one is Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is a cyborg. But I'm just saying, that's the kind of hype that Marcus Major carried into the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, he's a little ways off from being the uh, next Adrian Peterson. And, and I hear you. Yes, he has two years of eligibility remaining. My point is, is like I think you're right about Javante Barnes. Like he's going to be a factor this year, but he's definitely going to be a factor in his sophomore season. Yeah. My point is, if Marcus Major is ever going to break through and be the number one guy, it needs to be this year. Uh, while Javante Barnes is a true freshman and not a sophomore when he's trying to make his emergence when, you know, that that true freshman's already had a ton of carries under his belt. So this is, in my opinion, Major's best chance to be a, a big-time player at OU. Yeah, so. it's, I, I, I do feel like it's got to happen in 2022, or we at least got to see him building in that direction. Yeah. Because otherwise, come 2023, it's going to be the Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk show, because those guys can play. Got curtain questions? Hit us up on the Air Cover Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. It is locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans.
Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the ref where the homeless suitor fans keep it coming on the Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. And not that you needed to worry because we were telling you right here on this radio program that you did not. Don't worry about Jackson State. Don't worry about, I think it was Florida was the other school for Gentry Williams. He's all over Twitter today, uh, giving OU fans even more confidence that uh, it's going to work out well for him in the end. He posted some pictures of he in an OU uniform. Um, he is, who's he quote tweeting? Jay Valai right now. So, I look, it might sound like it's big news, but it's not big news at all. You always should have stayed confident well, I about t- I tell you what, Tyler, I heard from somebody on the inside. He going to flip to Jackson State <laughs> on signing day just like old Travis Hunter did. Yeah, well, that does not look like that's going to happen. Gentry, uh, you should feel as – you know, you should feel really good about Gentry Williams being a being a Sooner, and that stayed pretty constant throughout this entire process. Yeah, it's never changed. That's never changed. Now, one question someone might ask, though, Parker, is, okay, well, that's great. Uh, you guys feel good about him ending up at OU, and he's tweeting out all these things today, and he was recently back on campus for his revisit that you can do when a new staff takes over. Then why didn't he just like why didn't he just commit and sign and like do all that? Like what's he what's he waiting on? What would well, you I mean, tell he's already person? he's already committed. He's been committed. The reality is he didn't sign in the early signing period because Oklahoma hadn't hired a cornerbacks coach at that point. So that was kind of his hang up. He wanted to make sure, and understandably so, right that. Everything was squared away with the school he wanted to be at and that he was going to be coached and developed the way that he wanted to be towards a future in the NFL. And like if if Oklahoma had dropped the ball, which you knew Brent Venables and his staff weren't going to do that, but you knew the administration wasn't going to do that. But if they had, then Gentry Williams would probably have circled back around and fielded the advances of a school like Florida or a school like Jackson State or even a school like USC, whom he had a lot of affinity for over the summer. But at the end of the day, as long as Oklahoma kept the lines of communication open and they were honest with him and they made a hire that he didn't absolutely hate, then he was always going to be a Sooner. They brought in Jay Valai. He bonded very quickly with Valai. Those two have become really tight. And... It, it it all worked out in the end. Like I said, there wasn't really a circumstance, at least not a feasible circumstance, where it wasn't going to work out. But him not signing in the early signing period was more just kicking the can down the road to make sure that everything was taken care of before he put pen to paper and locked himself yeah. into something. Because it, it, and that's it, very fair. Exactly. By the way. You don't want to lock yourself into something when you don't know who your positional coach is going to be. That's perfectly understandable. Yeah. This whole Jackson State thing, and not just with Gentry Williams, but in this whole recruiting class is fascinating to me because we've seen in the past, and I wouldn't blame any kid who went about it this way, is you know you feel really good about a school. But with the number of official visits that you get, Parker, if someone just says, all right, well, I'm going to take a visit to Florida just to get to go to Florida, right? Who could blame a kid just say, I want to go to Ohio State just to take a trip to Ohio State and see what's going on? Like the whole Jackson State thing. Um, Jackson, Mississippi, not exactly Miami, Florida, or some of the other great destinations that our country has to offer. And you know, you might go to another school and check out Clemson and be like, wow, like this is a football palace. Their facilities are amazing. 
Like, you go to Jackson State, and it looks like Jackson State. You yeah, know? I tell you what. Yeah, I've, I've been through Jackson, Mississippi a time or two. I have I have a phenomenal Jackson, Mississippi story, but it doesn't make much sense to tell on the radio, and also my ex-college roommate could be listening, and I don't want to expose him. So, suffice it to say, though, Jackson, Mississippi – not the most impressive of environments. Yeah, neither is uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, where uh, we were on the beach one day, walking on the beach one day. Not that we were doing a family beach vacation in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, but there was a syringe sticking with the uh, needle straight up on the uh, beach at uh, Gulfport there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. Uh, at, uh, we got a lot of great Mississippi listeners out there, so I'm not trying to just... Uh, Hammer your state there, but uh, yeah, so Mississippi not exactly the uh, maybe the most scenic of all of uh, it anywhere else in the country. But yeah, good news on on Gentry Williams. I made a comment on the rush yesterday, and I feel like every time I bring up Archmania, you're like, oh god, we got to talk about Arch Manning. But uh, we were talking about the basketball game that he had over the weekend, and the fact that Saban and Kirby Smart were both there. And I kind of made the comment in passing of, you know, last year when this recruiting seemed to be really ramped up, there was a lot of people that were telling me, yeah, Texas is the leader, man. It's not like by a, by a long shot or anything, but Texas right now, they're, they're kind of the leader in this thing. And now all I'm seeing is Nick Saban and Kirby Smart there. Yeah, is it well, fair to say as Texas has dropped off in that race pretty yeah, significantly? Yeah, I, uh, I think that's the Quinn Ewers effect. Yeah. I think that's the harsh reality of it is that – yeah, you know, Texas took Quinn Ewers in Arch Manning's eyes and the Manning family's eyes. Well, they're not bought into us. So, I mean, <laughs> sound, sound like anyone else? Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a uh, Bama or Georgia race for this kid, which is a bummer, man. I was really hoping Arch would go to Texas. OU Texas is awesome on its own, okay? Um, even when two scrub quarterbacks play in the game, which, seeing as how good OU has been at quarterback in the past, hasn't really happened that often. But OU Texas doesn't necessarily need two great quarterbacks for the game to be great. It's going to be great on its own, no matter the situation. But come on, guys. Wouldn't it have been awesome for OU Texas for three years and OU would have gotten to play against Arch Manning and you would have gotten to beat a Manning in Dallas every single year? Oh, buddy. That would have been fantastic. I Arch probably would have turned to one of the most hated Texas players in the past 20 years or so. I don't know if he gets into Chris Sims territory, but hmm. just with that name alone and the circus that he, you know, brings along with his recruitment, it might have been pretty close. Yeah. From the Air Comfort Solutions text line, one listener asks, thoughts on David Hicks Jr., DJ Hicks, the five-star defensive lineman, out of Allen, which obviously the, uh, the, uh, the alma mater of Kyler Murray and the head coach these days down at Allen is Chad Morris who has a tremendous relationship with Brent Venables. I, so. uh, I I won't stand the fact that you won't even mention Lee Morris in this. I uh, mean, I'm really? Sorry. I mean, geez. My, my, my profuse apologies Jeez. to Lee Morris. T.D. Lee, we Man. all remember you and respect you. <laughs> not, obviously not everyone. Everyone but you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on the, uh, on the David Hicks thing, I'll say this much. I haven't been covering recruiting – for uh for a tremendously long time okay i'll acknowledge that there are old timers in the profession who have evaluated and scouted prospects for decades in some cases that are far more qualified qualified to speak on this than me that said over the few years that i have covered the recruiting landscape 
I've had the chance to see some pretty impressive prospects in person. I'm thinking about guys like Caden Green and Talon Shetron, Cade Klubnick, Caleb Williams at the Elite 11. Um, in terms of defensive players, and maybe overall, DJ Hicks is the best I've ever watched with my own two eyes. That dude is in a league of his own. What does at he do? At the high well? school level. Everything, man. Like, it's it's literally like watching an NFL player on a field of middle schoolers or something. His first step is so much faster than everyone else's. The push he gets off the line is so much more significant than everyone else's. His physical stature, like he's just again, absolutely in a league of his own with regard to his physical makeup. And the footwork he displays, the tenacity, the strength, the ability to get after the quarterback and stuff the run, there is nothing that guy can't do that you look for in an elite defensive lineman. And I would <laughs> I would hazard a guess he will be top five in the 2023 class regardless of position when all is said and done. Wow. He is a monster. And if OU gets him, that is a building block – the, the likes of what Gabriel Brownlow Dindy would have been would at have Oklahoma. Been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's it, gonna be a that's gonna be a big what could have been over the next few years. Yeah, uh, we we had a conversation yesterday about kind of OU recruiting classes and, and what they're gonna look like in the in the future. And the comment that I made is, I feel like OU classes now, like they always say, if you want to build a championship football team, you got to build it from the inside out, which means uh -huh. offensive line, defensive line. Those are the priorities, and then you work your way out to the you know, skill position players, wide receivers, or whatever. OU seemingly, before with Muleshoe, was recruiting from the outside in. They, they were always going to have their quarterback every other year. That was a high-priority guy, five-star guy. But, man, yep. there were a lot of classes where you were getting four and five receivers in it. So I, I, I know one of the things that people were panicked about was the 2023 class when the previous regime left to go to USC. But I still feel like this 2023 class still has a chance to be pretty special. It's not going to be the same guys. It's not going to have no. Malachi Nelson in it or anything. And maybe it doesn't even have a five-star wide receiver in it anymore. But it could have a five-star defensive line. It could have high-level four-star backers. Like The point is, it could still be ranked really, really high. There could be more meat and potatoes to classes in the future than the previous And I did. think they're going to start to recruit from the inside out. I truly believe that. I look at the fact that Oklahoma already has Joshua Bates committed in the 2023 class. He's going to be in contention uh, for the honors as the number one overall pure center in the 2023 cycle. And they're going to have a real good shot with a couple of high-end offensive linemen that I've gotten the chance to know pretty well, both out of the Kansas City area, Caden Green and Logan Reichert. Uh, Caden Green, a lot of people believe that when it's all said and done, he could be one of the top five offensive linemen in this class. And physically, it's all there. He's 6'5", 3'10", moves well. Logan Reichert is just one of the most massive human beings you'll ever come across. He's six foot seven, three fifty. Almost just looks like a different species. So, those are two guys that Bill Beatonbow has offered, has been in touch with for several months now. Uh, both of them are going to take visits here in the next few weeks. Riker will be on campus for Junior Day this Saturday, actually, and Caden Green will be on campus with his teammate and OU legacy, Isaiah Mosey, on March 5th. So Yeah, I, I still think the fan base, for the most part, likes Bill Beatonbow and, and wants him as the offensive line coach. 
Um, but I and I do think that this is fair. By the way, I do think that there's a section of the fan base that's like. All right, Bill, uh, offensive line play has dropped off the past couple of years. Let's see you get back to what you were in 2017 and 2018. And again, I, I think that that's fair. I also think it's probably fair to say that Bill Biedenboe, and this is just a guess, I haven't talked to him or you know heard that he said this privately to anyone, but I am going to guess that he likes the spot that he's in right now and who he's surrounded with right now. Uh, a little bit better than what he was previously surrounded with about three or four months ago. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, there is there is definite <laughs> truth to that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, call it a guess. Call it an, an educated guess, whatever you want to call it. But I think Bill B. Uh, much prefers the situation where he's at now compared to where it was last season. All right, we'll get to the text line coming up next. Keep it coming. Air Cover Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. It is locked in right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.
Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Chapel supplies you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Check them out today, chapelsupply.com, or go see their storefront, 6509 West Reno Avenue in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Sad day in college football. The turnover chain at Miami is no more. Sounds no like, more? yeah, sounds like with a uh, coaching change, they are taking away the Crystal turnover ball chain. Canceled the chain. I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, the whole turnover thing is not really something that I ever got into. I am, however, a little bit shocked, knowing how OU was uh, kind of operating, uh, uh, you know, over the past you know few years or so. That seems like something that OU would have uh, really bought into. If not a turnover chain, a turnover something, a turnover mechanical bull, a uh, turnover <laughs> basketball goal where they uh, slam dunk Turnover it. tequila? Turnover tequila would be great. Uh, maybe you get to grab Buki sledgehammer off the sidelines, something like that. I'm actually very shocked that OU didn't do something, uh, well, <laughs> something dorky like that after a turnover. I'm surprised. Surprised Mills, you didn't just, find something out. There was a there was a lot of clout being chased under that old agenda, which we probably should have uh, exposed a little bit more than we did. The luxury cars at the recruiting visits and all that. It's like, well, they they're all about bling. Yeah. Tell you that much. They were all about bling, and that's why I'm surprised. Yeah, there wasn't like a uh, pair of giant sunglasses with the eyeball emojis on them, something like that that they put on. It's uh, Now that you look back, you say, dang, that really sounds that like something. Sounds like something that Speed D would do. Maybe that's one thing, though, where Alex Grinch put his foot down. He was like, no, God, no. One thing that we are not going to do is something weird like that, the, some turnover thing. No, thank you. No, thank well, you. I mean, Alex Grinch was all turnovers, right? He was like, two turnovers a game, two turnovers a game, two turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hey, I feel like he would have gone with whatever incentive his team wanted to generate those turnovers. When's Muleshoe going to take the uh, Saints job, by the way? Is he already in communication with New Orleans? Uh, Yes, we're being told he is the front runner for the position. Yeah, well, um, it's it's tough to take a job in four hours, you know, especially on a Tuesday afternoon. But In in all seriousness, though, and Steely and I were talking about this last hour. Ten head coaching vacancies in the NFL right now. You have to think, right, that at least a couple are going to give Muleshoe a call <laughs> at the very least. Right. I don't know what his buyout is from USC right now. Maybe it's a astronomical number because he's getting paid a, a whole lot out there to be the head coach at SC. But yeah, you're you're probably you're probably not wrong about that. We got uh, anything on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? By the Let's way, let's see what uh, the populace is saying. Uh, questions about the couple guys that Oklahoma has hosted for official visits the last couple of weeks. Cavante Henry, who is currently committed to Michigan, or Mason Thomas, who's currently committed to Iowa State. Yeah, I I feel pretty good about both those guys. Um, and here's here's the thing about it. Here, here's what's interesting. The way that I see it, I don't know that OU takes both of them. That's kind of my hesitation. I think well. I guess in theory they could take both of them. But here, I guess here's what I would say to sum it up. I would expect that OU will get at least one, if not both. Things went really well with Cavante Henry. 
I actually talked to R. Mason Thomas last night. He loved the OU visit. He loves Brent Venables. Uh, his commitment to Iowa State, much like Kevontae Henry's commitment to Michigan, uh, means virtually nothing at this point. He's not actually committed. That's only sure. – that's an icon on his recruiting profile – but he's going to end up signing elsewhere, and that could very realistically be Oklahoma. Now, the thing to watch with R. Mason Thomas as well as his teammate Ahmad Moten, who visited OU over the weekend as well, uh, those two are visiting Miami and Mario Cristobal this weekend, the final weekend before National Signing Day. Now, I'm a little bit more convinced that Oklahoma is the leader for Thomas than I am in Moten's case. I think that one's a little bit up in the air and just from the conversations I've had it doesn't seem like those two are necessarily a package deal and they may be preparing to go their separate ways uh, but OU seems to have struck a chord with Thomas a little more so than Moten so that's where my confidence lies between those two I'm more confident that Thomas is a sooner by the way we've got a we've got a, not, not an update but rumors about another package deal that could be not potentially breaking up but you know really sticking together uh, but what else do we got on the text line before we move on to that whole Jackson Dart, Michael oh, Trigg drama? Boy. One listener says, are there any recruits Parker doesn't feel good about? LOL. Well, at, at this point, look, in general, if we're talking about 2023 guys, sure, of course there are. But if you're talking about guys down the stretch here in 2022, no, because the reality is Oklahoma isn't still recruiting anybody that they don't feel good about. And they're not going to continue recruiting anybody this close to National Signing Day unless they legitimately believe that they have a shot to sign that particular player. And that's the reason they hosted Grayson Halton and Jamarian Burt and Thomas and Moten over the weekend is because, look, all four of those guys could very realistically be Sooners. And the Sooners are probably the leader in the clubhouse for all four. And that's the same reason they hosted Kevontae Henry the previous weekend is because his commitment to Michigan isn't sticking. He's looking elsewhere. Oklahoma could use him. He's built a good bond with Miguel Chavis. So if we're talking about the class of 2022 at this point, no, there is nobody that's still in the picture for OU that they don't feel good about because why would there be? Right, yeah. I mean, you're, you're really down the stretch here. Signing day is uh, rapidly approaching, so if you're still spending time on kids right now, you better feel like you got a good chance at him more. Essentially, if you're trying to see three, four kids a day, uh, you'll be wasting your time if you don't feel good about a kid right yeah. now. Now, you know, in the past when there was, you know, just one signing day, there was probably some kids out there that were just so good and you felt just good enough about your chances that you go see them, but a lot of those guys have already been, you know, wrapped up and already signed throughout that first signing day. So, you know, that whole situation is a little bit different than what it was, you know, seven, eight years ago or so. So, yeah, I, I, I think you I think you were definitely right if you feel optimistic about how OU's going to close here down the stretch. Now, listen, there you think about the guys that right now are still on the board for Oklahoma. Kevontae Henry, Grayson Halton, Jamarian Burt, R. Mason Thomas, Ahmad Moten. Am I forgetting anybody? Well, Devin Campbell, of course, and Josh Connerly, if you're going to throw those two five-star offensive linemen in. Obviously, they're not going to get all seven of those guys. But I would expect that they at least get four or five. Well, four or five will be pretty good, especially yeah, if you had a couple five-star offensive linemen. Yeah, That's you'll a feel, pretty dang good haul. Yeah, no, it, it really will be. 405-651-3439 is the text line. You want to read one more here before we move on? Uh, Twitter Sean's mad at me, by the way, for oh even suggesting, even joking, that I would say that TBOW is going to go to the Saints. Sorry about that, Twitter Sean. 
I apologize. But it would be funny if it happened. Okay, folks wondering on the text line if locking down Gentry Williams, which it isn't news, but if officially in the public eye locking down Gentry Williams is going to have an effect on his teammate Micah Tease, the four-star defensive back also out of Booker T. Washington, that is trending in the direction of being a top 100 guy in the class of 2023. Look, I, I haven't made this a secret I think it is a matter of when, not if, Micah Tease commits to Oklahoma because you think about his brother, Miles, who was a walk-on at OU, eventually earned a scholarship, morphed into a starter by the end of his career as a Sooner. Gentry Williams, his teammate and good friend, also committed to Oklahoma and signing next week. There are a lot of people in Micah Tease's corner that are going to push OU, and they're going to they're going to try to prod him to commit to Oklahoma. And his affinity for the university is already strong, right? He's grown up a Sooner fan. He's grown up watching the games, going to games. And I I think even in the absence of all that, Oklahoma is still probably the front runner for Micah Tease. But with all those ancillary factors considered, the familial connection to the football program, as well as the Gentry Williams factor, yeah, I I consider it a formality. Yeah, it it really has seemed that way for a long time. And then you throw in the fact that I think the staff's going to do a much better job of recruiting in state than the previous staff. Yeah, did. if you know, it, I, I really feel that way. If a guy like Mike Atiz gets out of state, if he escapes state lines, it's not going to be for lack of trying. From yeah, yeah, staff. yeah, totally. 100%. It's not going to be like okay, we'll just go your own way. Yeah, yeah. You know, th- this staff will put a lot of emphasis on on getting that kid to Norman. I totally agree with that. Hey, Bob Stoops is joining us at three twenty on the rush. So be sure to tune in for that. One final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune, though, coming up next.
All right, final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. This hour is brought to you by Chapel Supply. Are you looking for a new career? Let Chapel Supply you with the career. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com. Day 238 of the Caleb Williams Jackson Darts, uh, where they're going to go to school search. It is tiring, Parker Thune. I don't have to tell you that. You're kind of monitoring it every, every single minute of every single day. There's a rumor out now that Michael Trigg feels like OU never really pursued him, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> emphasis on rumor. Yeah, uh, big emphasis on rumor. I mean, he visited OU. Like, here, here's... Uh, okay, it, it, it's not true. I, I'll just come out and say it. It's not true. And, and the, uh, I think it was a couple BYU podcasters or whoever that put this out is, OU didn't show enough attention to Michael Trigg and... Michael Trigg never took a visit to BYU. He doesn't have any interest in going there. Now, hey, I definitely believe the last part. The first one, I don't know. But the last one, that Michael Trigg doesn't want to go to BYU, that's actually something that I could get on board. So is the latest smoke here that Ole Miss is going to be the destination? Uh, His girlfriend, Jackson Dart, put out something cryptic maybe that thinks that he's going to go to Ole Miss. This This thing's a disaster. What are we waiting on, Tyler? What are we waiting on? Why is it January 25th and Caleb Williams and Jackson Dart and Michael Triggs still haven't announced their destinations? Is it just for the pump and circumstance? Is it for the drama? Is it for the narrative? Is it for the history books? Why isn't this done? I don't know, man, but it's it's annoying, honestly. So we can just, like, not bring up. We can talk about Jackson Dart and not talk about Carl and Caleb Williams. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it's imminent that either decision is going to happen. Like, that's, that's kind of the annoying thing. No, I, I thought the decision was imminent last Monday, as did a lot of people. Monday came and passed, and then Tuesday came and passed, and then Wednesday came and passed. And by Thursday, everybody's like, okay, I'm, I'm done caring. When it happens, it happens. And I'm kind of in that boat at yeah. this point. No, I, I, I've like, been in that boat for a couple weeks. It's You know, it got to the point where, well, okay, well, I'm going to bring it up because other people care about what's going to happen with Caleb Williams. And then about a couple weeks ago, people are like, yeah, no, I'm good, honestly. I'm good. I feel like more people get mad when we bring it up than anything. Oh, yes, very so, much so. So um, we can like stay away from it. Let me ask you this, and I, I promise we'll move on from it. As we're three minutes from ending the show today. Uh, has OU made it clear to the family, like, you know what? We're, we're good, honestly, guys. Thanks, but no thanks. Has that been made clear? I don't know that for a fact. I know that the conversations had been ongoing for a long time. I don't know if they are still ongoing. And mm. I'm, I'm really not sure how things have transpired in the last 48, 72 hours since... Uh, there were pictures posted on Twitter of Caleb Williams' car getting hauled off yeah. from Norman. So, look, at this point, I've I've said it for weeks. People just need to reconcile with the fact that he's not coming back. And from where I sit, Tyler, and the way I phrased it to Steely is, at this point, if I am Oklahoma, if I'm Brent Venables and this staff, I'm probably at the point where I don't want Caleb Williams back. Oh, just yeah. Because yes, yes. I, we've instilled our culture. We've built positive momentum. There's really no reason to bring the circus back to town. Kendall's hitting me with the uh, all caps right now. Did you really just mention Carl Williams on the airwaves? We have moved on. Uh, hey, I, I've definitely moved on a long time ago. Trust me, I've moved on from this one. Uh, we'll, we'll see if any lock emojis get tweeted out. 
uh, before the next 23 hours that we're on air, but what you were hinting at yesterday, expect some of this stuff to happen here pretty quickly over the, over the course of the next week. So it really wouldn't be shocking at all if, if some of these uh, – I mean, I, he was already committed – but I guess you got good news today with Gentry Williams. Again, you, you shouldn't have been worried about it. You should have known all along that he was coming. But today was kind of like, all right, if there was any doubt at all, Gentry's, yeah, Gentry's yeah. going to sign with OU. So it's not a lock emoji, essentially. It's not anyone new, but it's kind of reassurance. Throwing like, away the key, right. as it were. Yeah. So there is good news today. And um, as we've been telling you, expect the uh, good news to continue to come down the pipe here pretty quick. All right, that'll do it for us. Teddy and myself, we're coming up next. Bob Stoops will join us at 320. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. It's the Homeless Sooner fans.